Policies of Exclusion, Poverty, and Health, Stories from the Front. Compiled Introduction and Reports by Crystal Ocean. Copyright 2005, Wise Group. Episode 13, The Stories. Lucy, Method, Interview. From as far back as I can remember, I was told I was adopted. My mother was a horrible person. I was turning out just like my mother. I looked just like my mother. I had horrible hair just like my mother. I was fat just like my mother. And I would probably grow up to be a whore just like my mother. Every other little girl hears the Cinderella story and expects a guy on a white horse. I expected to grow up to be a whore. My dad was an alcoholic. He wasn't usually a mad, raging alcoholic, but there were moments. His wife was a mad, raging Jehovah's Witness, which had its own trials and tribulations. I was treated as the middle child of four. It was my role to make everything better. If there was going to be a problem, it was my role to see it coming and fix it before it happened. It was my job to get in the way, so I was always the buffer, which usually meant that I was the one that was hit first or got hit the most. I was injured quite horribly when I was thirteen or fourteen, a logging accident with a chainsaw. Dad was drinking. He was going to do something that was going to be extremely dangerous. I reached over the top of the saw to try and save the situation from happening. He saw it the same time as I did, grabbed the saw, brought it up out of the cut and right into my arms. His wife tried to deny me a blood transfusion. She deserves to die anyway, I remember hearing her saying, and my dad saying, no she doesn't, and she will get any medical treatment she requires. She had him kicked out of the house, the church, the whole nine yards for that, for saving my life. The bastard. I pretty much stopped living at home at that time. I usually managed to find myself somebody good-hearted who would take in a teenage girl who would cook and clean. And, surprisingly enough, I was a whore just like my mother. But, you know, I finished my education. I did graduate from high school. I did make it, not from a whole lot of help from them, but I did make it. I didn't trade sex for money. I usually traded sex for somewhere to live. The thing is, when you're fourteen, fifteen years old, there are a lot of quasi-pedophiles who don't actually want children, but don't want grown-ups either. They make really good money. I became a wizard at finding them. I always made it really clear that whatever deal I was in, I was going to go to school. I did a little bit of college and got a couple of certificates for this, that, and the other job stuff. No dabbling for personal reasons. I don't really know who I am. I've been trying so hard just to keep my head above water. My life the last couple of years has been all about preparing for change and then recovering from change. You spend three days bracing yourself to go see somebody in the ministry because you never know who's going to be in there 
or what kind of mood they're going to be in, or how much shouting there's going to be. Then you go see somebody in the ministry, get your check, and then go to the grocery store with everybody else who's also been to the ministry. Nobody's in a good mood. There's never anything you need on the shelves because it's all been bought by people who didn't have their checks held because they don't have a jackass of a worker. Then, by the time I get home, I spend another three or four days in bed recovering from the experience. I'm sarcastic and bitter. A lot of people have no idea that I mean most of what I say. The only thing keeping me from killing myself on a daily basis is if I did, my kids would go to their father. Mental health professionals are a waste of time. They've educated themselves totally out of the universe. I'd rather chew glass than deal with any of them. I had a foster family when I was fifteen that didn't want me over Christmas. I was taken to the doctor who was told that I was suicidal and depressed. The doctor put me in the psychiatric ward. I got to see a couple of doctors who said, All your problems are because of your evil stepmother. Let's have her in to talk with us. As always at that point of my life, the adults herded together and covered their own asses and hung the kid out to dry. I was not believed. I was not returned to my foster family. I was returned to the care and keeping of my evil stepmother. That was my first experience with mental health professionals. Then there were some child psychologists that had to do with our family after my oldest was assaulted by his father, one of whom wrote a letter telling my doctor that the house was messy and I was depressed. More recently, on a recommendation, I started phoning Weva. Have you ever listened to their voicemail? It goes on so slowly, like you're speaking to a two-year-old. These are women in crisis. By the time we figure out what the hell you're saying, we're going to be seniors in crisis. I had one of Weva's so-called counselors say to me one day, I was pregnant with the twins or I'd just had them, quote, If I knew that I was pregnant with twin boys, I would have aborted them. The world doesn't need that many penises, unquote. You know... It doesn't have to be a dick, just because it has one. I've got diabetes. I have a very bad back and neck from being slung about. My teeth are shot. A previous doctor told me, you're fat, you need to get out and walk. But what she didn't ask, or didn't care about, was that it was the middle of monsoon season, and I didn't own a coat because I was busy purchasing coats for my children so they could go to school. When I said, that's just not possible, she didn't ask why. She said, well, except you're going to be fat and I. The doctor I have now listens to everything you say and all the things that you don't say. I can't afford to get a decent mattress, so I can't get a good night's sleep. I have sensitive skin, and those cheap, crappy sheets that we ha all have hurt me all night. The budget prevents me from eating properly, so I can't avoid the problems of diabetes just by diet. 
The budget won't allow me to change my eyeglasses, and neither will the ministry. Though the lenses are so scratched, I get a headache by three o'clock every afternoon. You can't afford to get a good pair of shoes, so your arches fall. Your arches fall. Your legs hurt. Your knees hurt. How do I get around town? Bus, relying on rides from other people, and occasionally hoof. I have been up until now getting reimbursed thirty-seven dollars per month for my bus pass, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen for August. They don't want to spend the money. We were without communications for quite some time. Everybody wanted money, and I didn't have any. To have a landline with BC Tel, which is now Telus, is fifty dollars a month. I have an abusive ex, and I need to have call display. When he left, the phone had been in his name, with me also on the bill, but not as the primary. They wouldn't let me take his name off the bill. BC Hydro. I phoned them up, and they're like, "Okay, we'll waive this, and we'll waive that fee, and we'll all right. It's in your name. Don't worry, honey. Boom, done." BC Tell, as they were then, a festive monkey jump. It was just insane. Well, you can't do that. Oh well, it'll be seventy-five dollars to change the name on the bill. So I left it in his name. Then he stopped paying child support. I finally said to him, "Look, the phone is still in your name. I don't want people looking up your name in the phone book to find me." Too bad," he said. "You'll have to come up with seventy-five dollars because I ain't doing it." So I said, "I'm not going to do it either, and just for fun, I'm not going to pay the bill." Because we'd had the phone for so long, and I had been religious about paying the bill for so many years, they let it go to almost six hundred dollars before they phoned him. He'd gotten another phone in his name, and said we're going to cut off both unless it's paid by noon tomorrow. He freaked out, so I let them cut it off. Then, because I hadn't had a phone in my name for twelve years, BC Tell wanted all these deposits. Oh, sure, I've just got money falling out of my ass. So I didn't have a phone, and people would say, "How come you have the internet and not a phone?" The internet wasn't a problem. I used to garden, but I gave it up. I blew my knee because I'm fat and out of shape. We don't do a lot of meat. Why? Money. Same with milk. There's not very much, and I've turned into an evil stepmother. Don't you be eating the plastic cheese? Touch it and die, because you need to have sandwiches to take to school. And now at the schools, they've got all these lunch Nazis that watch what the kids eat and report on you. Yeah, just what the world needs: lunch Nazis. So that's been a real joy. I get an extra fifteen dollars a month from the ministry because I'm diabetic. That's my dietary allowance. Now, being as I can't eat white rice, potatoes, pasta, Mr. Noodle, craft dinner, or any of the other welfare kind of foods, I make myself whole grain breads, and the fifteen dollars mostly goes to milk. That's typical, right? 
moms skip themselves and go around in the ratty underwear that you pray you don't have an accident in and the kids all have new socks. I'm part of Triumph Vocational Services, a program funded by the province of British Columbia for persons with disabilities. My number is XXXX. I need to know that every time I talk to my person there, every time she needs to look at my file, and every time she writes down an appointment. I'm not allowed to have a name because of privacy regulations. I have to have a number. At what point are we just going to barcode children when they come out? So you jump through the hoops and you try not to be offended and you try not to feel just like a number. But you are. You're a case file. You're the client. You're never this person. Nobody would ever say to their supervisor, this person needs help. I've never heard any of those people in any of those buildings refer to a client as a person. So you cease to be. You have to have an employment plan. Well, my employment plan is that I will try to get my problems squared away and get a job. But that's not good enough. Instead, their employment plan is to enroll me with Triumph. I've been with Triumph for five months, and they have done the sum total of nothing. I get one phone call a month where I have to tell the girl I am number XXXX. It's always somebody new. The office has always moved. She never knows what's going on. And her biggest question is, when's good for you next month? I'm also supposed to maintain contact with the CAP program. This is a program aimed at helping persons on DB2 to become employed and is funded by the province of British Columbia. Not a problem. That's like sentencing someone to eat chocolate. I was completely disconnected from the community for quite a while. Now I've started a poverty project, something I came up with one day because of something somebody said. I'd managed to save up enough to buy a digital camera. With my years at home with agoraphobia, I developed a lot of computer skills, including working with graphics. I was doing up pictures of my guys, and this woman said, I don't have any pictures of my kids. It would be nice. Oh, why don't you have pictures of your kids? Because, you know, you're completely blind to somebody else's reality. Well, I can't afford a camera or film or developing or any of that shit. So I started the Poverty Project, and people that I know can see me and ask for a portrait. I will do them up, including airbrushing, if that's what they want. All these ministries have their code word du jour. So now they have this dual diagnosis. Dual diagnosis is depression plus diabetes. Dual diagnosis is a crock of shit. It's one thing. Poverty. Welfare puts you on such a diet you can't afford fresh fruits or vegetables. You can't afford any high protein. You're stuck eating welfare diet. All carbohydrates. That many carbohydrates turns you into a blimp.
Well, eventually, as a blimp, you get diabetes. And in the process of losing everything that you are, were, could have been, should have been, used to be, could have had, should have had, would have had, you lose yourself. That's called depression. I would love these mental health professionals to understand. It's a single diagnosis. Poverty. Half the dual diagnosis is depression. Eventually, physical poverty leads to emotional poverty. When you're poor in pocket, you're boring. You can't go out and play. You don't have your kids in every sport going. You don't make friends with all the parents on every committee because you aren't on any. You don't wander around the neighborhood making friends. There are no opportunities. Then the poverty diet kicks in and you have welfare food. The next thing you know, you're putting on weight because you're not outside exercising. It's winter and you don't own a coat. You don't own boots. It's raining and your last umbrella got stolen. You pack on enough of these carbohydrate pounds until you're a diabetic like me. The fat interferes with my production and movement of insulin. If I could just stop being fat, I could stop being diabetic. To stop being fat, I'm going to have to change how I eat and how I live. All through that, I'm also fighting the ministry. Who today, just for fun, held my check. I knew it was coming. I'm here, not there, because the line-up's out the door and around the building. It looks like they're doing it to everybody this week.